Hi, everybody. It's Allie. And welcome to our YNR chat. It's Sunday, September 15th, 2019, and Victor Newman is dead. He really, really is. <laughs> he really is, you guys, though, this time. You can tell because I'm wearing my funeral attire. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to wear black on black on black for Victor's death. But what lipstick shade says Victor Newman is dead? I thought red. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. He's gone. He's dead after 40 years. On the show, Victor Newman just died randomly on some Friday in September. It must be true. After 40 years, Adam killed him. Killed him dead. Just Adam just killed him. <laughs> Josh Griffith got this new job. YNR's been there, what, six months? He said, how can I make a bang? <laughs> I make my mark on this show. Oh, I know. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill the old guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, you guys don't really believe this, do you? Maybe you do. Let's toss it out there as a poll question for the week. Is Victor Newman dead? Is he really, really dead? Go to YRChat.com. You can cast your vote in that poll. I mean, maybe you think so. On Monday, they're going to wheel his dead body out of the ranch. <laughs> so tune in for that. Be sure, though, to tune in on Monday. Right? Josh, I see through you. I see through you, YNR. <laughs> Been here for 25 years watching the show. Over a decade doing my and our chat. He ain't dead. <laughs> Victor Newman ain't dead. He's dead-ish. <laughs> he might be dead-ish for a month. I'll give you that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Victor Newman is faking his own death just to watch Adam squirm because he knows Victor switched his medications. Victor probably faked that whole spell at Grimson Lights on Monday, which Adam witnessed. And I'm sure that Nate is in on the whole thing. In retrospect, I realize that there's no way that Nate didn't tell Victor about the fact that Adam stole his tablet. That gave Camp Victor a really big heads up. They knew Adam was up to something. He stole the tablet. Come on. <laughs> it really is probably not too hard to put it together from there. And this is all part of his plan. My only question, though, is... <laughs> well, I have a lot of questions. I do. But my main question is, is Nikki in on it? Does Nikki know all about it? Because I think that after all of the time that they've been together at this stage in their relationship, it would be really crappy for Victor to let Nikki think that he's dead. I would much rather know that she was in on the plan. I mean, 20 years ago, 
Sure, he would have let her think that he was dead. He did. When I first started watching YNR in, a, in around 93, everyone in town was presuming that Victor's dead. He was at Holmes, Hope's farm in Kansas, falling in love with her, while everyone back in GC thought he had died in a fiery car accident, and he just let him think it. Totally knew about it, was watching the whole thing go down in the news, didn't care. So <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to believe that this is the big one now. I just hope that he's not torturing Nikki right along with everybody else, I can see not telling the children because the children would find a way to tip Adam off in their behavior. But I really hope Nikki is in on the scam. I wonder though, because there were a couple of moments where she seemed genuinely concerned about him while they were at home waiting for Victor's test results. Did you see how he was looking at her really longingly and he suggested that they have a romantic dance together? Almost like he knew what he was planning and he was trying to give her one more romantic moment together? I don't know. Either that since that dance was interrupted by Victor having his spell, either the spell was real and he ended up taking the double dose medications or the spell was fake and Nikki is not in on this plan. And I'm not exactly sure which it is because he, he wasn't able to uh, remember his favorite meal when he was having that romantic moment with Nikki. Nikki had Cook go to the trouble of making Victor's favorite meal and Victor couldn't remember what it was. Then he had to go upstairs and lie down. Didn't even get to finish the meal. After all of this, I just really hope that Nikki was able to put that meal onto a tray for him and bring it up to the bedroom later. Or perhaps maybe have Cook toss that into the Tupperware, put that in the fridge. Maybe he could have it for a little midnight snack. I mean, I'm sure that Cornish game hens are not cheap if it's Victor Newman's favorite meal. I don't want to see it go to waste. So, <laughs> after Nate probably told Victor about Adam stealing the tablet, Victor either planted that dirty nurse who sold Adam the double-dose pills, and Victor knew all along from the jump, from the moment that the tablet went missing, what Adam was planning, or Victor actually took one of the pills, and then Nate realized right away that his levels were off and that he was having that maybe the first spell at Crimson Lights was real because this whole thing may fool some younger viewers of the show who haven't been watching all that long but I am sure that all of you savvy YNR chatters happen to notice how Victor made sure to get those results from Nate in private they went upstairs to his office, had a little private conversation, didn't let anyone, even Nikki, hear. And then the next day, Victor calls a big, dramatic family meeting so everyone can see him drop dead on the ground, including, and most of all, Adam. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, Victor, I mean, for crying out loud, he had, he was telling everyone that Nate was getting ready to fly out of the country with him so that Victor could get some specialized care. And also, that way, no one is going to think it's suspicious that the jet was gassed up and ready to go because Victor is going to be secretly kicking it somewhere in Asia or something. <laughs> While everyone in Genoa City and the rest of the world thinks he's dead. And it's all to get back at Adam. <laughs> oh, it is such a cheap trick, Josh. Cheap, cheap trick. But, mm, YNR having Victor fake his own death is also kind of classically soapy and so I kind of also appreciate it in in that way it's a formula that we've seen a lot of times but it works people are going to be tuning into the show on Monday in droves to see Victor Newman actually presumed dead they're going to be tuning in for the next month so hey I gotta tip my hat to you there Oh, Victor made sure that everyone was there to see his dramatic fall. He called the entire family together to tell them that they need to come together and they need to be strong and they need to work together for his benefit. I mean, Adam and Nick, two major big-time brother enemies, actually had a moment of calling a truce. They decide that they are going to put the past behind them and they are going to work together for Victor's sake. Cut to Monday's preview where Nick is getting up in Adam's face blaming him for Victor's death. (laughs) That truce lasted all of what? 30 seconds? (laughs) It turned around on a dime. But did you see Adam's face when Victor went down? Did you see Adam writhing around in the background with all of the commotion going on over Victor's falling on the ground? Abby's calling 911. Nate is declaring that he cannot find a pulse. Nikki is practically throwing herself on top of the body. Oh, Nikki, I'm gonna, my first instinct is to say that she is in on it and that she was probably being extra dramatic just for Adam's benefit. But all the while, Adam is standing in the background looking on like a scared little boy who just wants to crawl out of his skin but can't. (laughs) next week Adam is gonna cry so hard (laughs) we are gonna see him crying daddy oh I miss you daddy come back to me come back to me daddy I'll be a good boy from now on I promise Because he's human, you know. (laughs) After Adam sees Victor having that spell at Crimson Lights, even Phyllis noticed that Adam was having a reaction to seeing Victor 
in that way. And Phyllis knows that Adam switched the medications and that he's clearly trying to play it cool right now. Phyllis actually had to remind Adam that he is a human being and that it would be normal to have a reaction to seeing your father suffering no matter how much water's under that bridge. Especially knowing that you caused it. (laughs) Yes, yes, you might be having some feelings right now, Adam. Let me help you through that. (laughs) Let me help you come to terms with your feelings, Adam. Well, when Adam is still trying to keep up that cool facade of, I don't care, I can be callous and I can do this to my father and not feel it, I'm, I'm fine, I'm just going to go through with this plan. Phyllis actually makes him a bet and she says, you know what, I don't think that this is what you really want. If, and I think Phyllis thinks she's going to win this bet. She tells Adam, if you actually go through with this whole plan to kill Victor or, you know, at least mess him up, then Phyllis will grant Adam any wish. See, this is what tells me Phyllis thinks she's going to win this bet. She gives him a blank check. I'll grant you any wish if you actually go through with this. Hmm. Any wish. Sounds intriguing. (laughs) What will this wish be? I mean, it could be anything because I'm going to guess he wins the bet. He went through. What will Adam make Phyllis do? But if Phyllis were to win the bet, she tells him that he has to give up this feud with the family. She's tired of watching it. She doesn't fully agree with it. And she doesn't like the idea of her daughter getting caught in the middle of it. So I have to say, is there any chance? Probably not. That Phyllis would have tipped Victor off to what Adam had going on, not to save Victor's life, not to be in good terms with Victor in any way, shape, or form, because obviously Phyllis hates Victor. But would Phyllis have tipped Nate or Victor off so that she could, A, win the bet, B, save Summer from losing her grandfather, and C, save Adam from imploding, which I think we're going to see him do next week. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be good to watch Adam. I will say, this part is going to be good. The whole Victor Newman's dead fake out that is is certainly happening here. <laughs> Aside, I do think it's going to be really, really good and juicy to watch Adam's inner turmoil. He is going to be eaten alive. The guilt, the everything is going to eat him alive. Especially now that he's spending so much time with Connor. He's spending so much time being a father while knowing that he just killed his own father. Intentional or not, maybe, maybe not, it's going to destroy him. I think it's going to potentially destroy Chelsea and Nick, too. I have a little prediction here. I think that Adam is going to tell Chelsea everything. I think he's going to confess to Chelsea. He's going to need to get it off of his soul. And that's going to put Chelsea right in the middle of Adam and Nick. 
I mean, Nick is already he immediately blaming Adam for this, whether he knows anything about the medication or not. And Nick is going to assume that Victor died because Adam put him under so much stress. So there's super duper mega hate on top of other hate between Adam and Nick. Adam's going to tell Chelsea what he's done to Victor or what he thinks he's done to Victor. And Chelsea is going to be caught between uh, keeping her son's father out of prison and telling Nick the truth about what she thinks happened to Victor. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be interesting, too, truth be told. Maybe this whole thing is going to end up bringing Adam and Chelsea back together so that Connor can get his wish, Mommy and Daddy, back together. <laughs> I'm liking it. I am liking it. I'm being sarcastic all over the place, but it's, 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 it's good. And I have another prediction too. Of course, I just, you know, maybe sometimes the things I come up with in my imagination are a little better than what ends up happening on the show, but I don't care because this is really good in my imagination. Here's what I would like to see for the climax of this story. It's a hope. <laughs> it's not a prediction. It's a hope. While Adam thinks that Victor is dead I hope that Victor starts haunting him. I really hope that Victor starts gaslighting Adam. Like popping up in the corner of the condo, making Adam think he's losing his mind. That would be so good. And Mark Grossman would kill him. It. He would be amazing at showing us Adam's descent into madness, and I would love to watch every single delicious second of it. And then just when it hits its fevered pitch, Victor can reveal himself as alive in some kind of epic, ghostly way, right as we get to November Sweeps. Victoria was the only member of the Newman family who wasn't there to see Victor drop dead on the floor because her phone battery had dropped dead. And instead of going back home to charge it, she took a trip to the boat house with Chloe where Billy is being held captive for his own good. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can you even believe that Victoria went right along with Chloe to the boathouse without calling the cops? I'm sorry, but if my husband was being held hostage by this former crazy lady, damn the consequences. I don't care. I'm calling the cops. I think I would knock Chloe down. I would take the keys to the boathouse. I would drag Billy out of there and I would get him the help that he needs. And he so obviously needs it. Billy woke up again this week not remembering anything about trying to kill Adam and he started asking for Victoria, which is why Chloe tracked her down and told her about the whole thing in the first place. 
But then Billy falls back asleep. He wakes up from his nap and this other side of his personality takes over and suddenly he doesn't want Victoria there and he thinks that Chloe is the only one who can really understand his rage and in general his demeanor completely changed so this week we saw a good Billy who doesn't remember anything is just very very innocent and then we saw the bad Billy who is still hating Adam and still wants that revenge and is probably sad that it didn't work out that Adam is still breathing and even Chloe remarks to Victoria It's like we're dealing with two different people. And then at the end of Friday's show, Victoria's finally arriving at the boathouse. Chloe tells her that she needs to beware because she doesn't know which version of Billy she's going to get. Scary. And from the previews, it looks like Victoria's going to get good Billy, and they're going to have a good talk, but how long is that going to last? If Billy was never being drugged or gaslighted or whatever, if this is all a a figment of his imagination, he wrote those messages on the wall, he placed Delia's doll in the bed, if all of that was just Billy in Billy's mind and nobody else was behind it, then that's pretty bad, and he needs some serious help And whatever problems he does have cannot be solved by a few weeks of hanging out inside of this stinky little boathouse doing talk therapy with Chloe and Victoria. Uh, (laughs) I don't see the value in holding him there. And now I just feel bad for Victoria. I was um, uh, going back and listening to our 2018 YNR chat year-end affair because maybe possibly I might be planning to do it again for 2019. But I was listening to last year's recap and I was just realizing that Victoria just got out of one unhealthy relationship where JT was abusing her. And now here she is again. Not that not that Billy is abusive in any way, but just that now she's dealing with another unstable person in a relationship and more darkness. Like really, the whole JT thing was dark, 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 dark. And now here she is tossed into another relationship that is dark, 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 dark. And who knows what she's going to have to be dealing with down the road with Billy now too. Abby looked so pretty in her pretty, pretty pink party dress, party gown. And she was so proud of herself and her accomplishment of the hotel, which she created with Chelsea. And then Zoe spikes the punch. All goes to hell. (laughs) Which hell was, hell was 90% fun. (laughs) Honestly, I wish that Genoa City was on MDMA, aka Molly, all the time. (laughs) 
I wish every day was everyone on Molly. I wish Victor would have gone to that party. I wish Adam would have given Victor Molly instead of double dose meds. Can you even imagine if Victor and Nikki did make it to the party and they were all crazy on drugs? Everything was way more fun on drugs. <laughs> ah said everybody who's ever tried them. Um, I thought Nate was especially funny, though. He was seeing colors and lights, and he was way more sexy and loose for a change. I was loving Nate, but uh, but unfortunately, uh, the fact that Nate was out of it made him unable to help Devon and Sharon, the two members of our town who we know are on medications. So they had medical emergencies because the party drug mixed with their prescription drugs and then everything stopped being fun. Ugh! I hate it when drugs stop being fun. <laughs> Everything was so exciting and bizarre before that happened. I think this is probably one of my favorite things that the new writers have done. It was just, I mean, at first it was just fun and silly and it made us see our normal characters in a little bit of a different light. I thought that Tessa was really funny. She is such, she's, Tessa is like this weird porcelain doll. She's like straight out of a Tim Burton movie. And she's so high that she's just swaying around and dancing and playing with everybody's hair and being real intense and focused on stuff. And then she was real intense and focused on the flounciness of her dress. And she just like every thing that she said had this really blank delivery about it that was just really funny. I think that she is such a doll. And the actress has come a really long way. It was fun to see her. I loved the sweet little song that Tessa was singing to Summer. I loved seeing Summer and Tessa and Mariah all dancing together and getting along and being nice. It was cool. And then Theo off in the corner playing air guitar with a pool cue. That's funny. That is funny and fun and unique and a really cool way to spin our characters. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I feel bad, but I, this has given me a very positive impression of drugs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't do any drugs at all. Tea. I drink a lot of tea and coffee. Caffeine. I do a lot of caffeine. <laughs> I don't even drink liquor. I'm so straight at this point. That, but, but, you know, so maybe that's why it's just fun to watch people being silly. <clears throat> um, it was actually Theo who first realized that everybody was high. Almost like Theo had been there before many, many times. I mean, he recognized the feeling. He goes, wait a minute. I know this feeling. It's familiar. And of course, his first instinct was to not involve the cops. Trouble is, there was already a cop there. <laughs> Ray realized that he was tripping balls 
while he was breaking balls at the pool table. <laughs> the look on Ray's face. I screen capped it. You know, I did. It was very, very funny. Until it wasn't funny, of course. Drugs are always fun until they're not. <laughs> It was, it was when Sharon turned into a big old puddle of mush in Ray's arms that everything got serious and Ray called Paul in to investigate. Paul comes in, sends everyone home, tells them to go sober up. He shuts down the hotel and he seals Abby's fate as the grand mistress of a grand disaster at the Grand Phoenix Hotel. The day after the mass drugging. Hey, by the way, did anybody else think it was weird that YNR would do a mass anything storyline the week of the anniversary of September 11th? Did anybody else, did that occur to anybody else? It was like, I think I might have been watching this episode or the fallout on, uh, let's see, I think that was Wednesday and I kept thinking, this is sort of, this is a little, <laughs> this is a little something off here. But anyway, the day after the drugging, Paul and Ray were investigating, and they did this really adorable little good cop, bad cop routine with Theo. I really like seeing Paul and Ray working together. Paul was the good cop, and he was on Theo's side, but Ray was angry, and he was giving a lot of furrowed brow. <laughs> It worked, too, because it didn't take very long for Theo to squeal on Zoe. He said, oh, this, this has Zoe's name all over it. She's the one. Go look for her. Stop looking in my direction. And the cops really had no choice since they had no other leads, no other clues. Some red-hatted hacker mastermind must have stolen the hotel surveillance footage. <laughs> uh, just to confirm, there's no way that Theo could have known anything about Zoe's plan, right? Considering that the plan was at least in part um, directed at humiliating him because this was a big event that he was involved with. And, and also he, he drank the Kool-Aid. He got caught up in the disaster too. So he couldn't have been involved, right? Unless he knew and wanted to take the drugs. I'm not sure because Theo did create the distraction opportunity that allowed Zoe to slip those three packets of drugs perfectly into those three pitchers that were just lined up in the counter. She happened to have three drug pouches, and there was three pitchers, and she just said, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I guess that's just a coincidence. I guess. Oh, what a disaster for Abby and Chelsea, though. At first... They assume that Phyllis was the drink drugger. Well, yeah, yes, 
After that grand entrance that she made, she marched right up to Abby and Chelsea and had this whole fake congratulation thing going on where she was saying that she wants to be the bigger woman and she wants to admit that they've done such a great job with this hotel opening. In fact, they've done an even better job than she would have ever had to do. Um... Yeah, right. I mean, obviously nobody was buying that and it just ended up making her look suspicious and guilty. Even Summer had to question whether or not Phyllis was guilty. But she wasn't. She was truly, truly innocent. And the fact that she was kind of sober, slinking around in the background, she actually was the only one who noticed and saw Zoe snapping pictures of all of the chaos, which she was posting onto her social media to draw attention for herself and get new followers. So Phyllis saw exactly what Zoe was up to immediately. Well, actually, no, it wasn't immediately because (laughs) Phyllis spent about three quarters of that episode wandering around the room saying, what is wrong with everyone here? (laughs) It's like they're on drugs or something. But when enough of the pieces were put together, Phyllis arranged a little private meeting for her and her and Zoe. Well, you know, private in that it was just Phyllis and Zoe and Phyllis's phone microphone. <laughs> I got to hand it to Phyllis. She managed to draw it out of Zoe. She managed to get her on record crystal clear as day confessing to the crime that she committed and conveniently explaining her mastermind motives. Turns out, Zoe wasn't so quick to forgive Kyle and Theo after all. She had been secretly plotting some form of revenge on them for the past three years. Every night, lying in bed, plotting her revenge against Theo and Kyle. Man, I wish YNR hadn't added that part. I wish they just would have left that alone. Because the fact is, Zoe didn't come to town plotting some mastermind revenge. Theo contacted her out of the blue, brought her into town. It was not the other way around. YNR either needed to make Zoe initiate contact with Theo so that she could play out this plan and then, you know, reveal it all, or they needed to just keep her motive for doing this isolated to the way that Theo had treated her recently. I don't know, that part was an eye roller. Especially also because she wanted this revenge against Theo and Kyle, but Kyle has been nothing but sweet and apologetic toward her since she showed up in Genoa City. He expressed genuine concern about what happened in New York. He was regretful about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess she just couldn't let it go. Zoe told Phyllis... What a total jerk Kyle used to be. The fact that he and Theo were um, giving her drink after drink after drink and watching her fall and stumble around for their entertainment. I mean, that's gross. It's disgusting. I can see that guy. You know, I can see that happening. And Phyllis saw it too and said, I'm sorry. 
um, that that happened to you, Kyle treated my daughter poorly too. It's just that I thought that Kyle has really tried to make amends with Zoe. Of course, he didn't have a choice. Theo shoved it in his face, but... Either way, I overall think that Zoe was a pretty good quickie villain for the show. She had a short-term stay. There was no real need to get invested in her character. She was just there to do something bad and then get hauled away in, in handcuffs while her misdeed was like blazed into the social media psyche for all of 15 minutes. She got her 15 minutes of fame, boom, 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 and done. And exit. <laughs> I mean, it was good because also Zoe's villainy, villainy light, <laughs> villainy L I T E, villainy light. Uh, it gave Phyllis a chance to have a win. Finally, I was happy to see Phyllis have a win. She decided to take that recording of Zoe's confession, not to the police. Oh no. Uh, she decided to take the recording of the confession and also the surveillance footage that she managed to hack away from the Grand Phoenix that showed Zoe physically putting the drug into the drink. And she takes it directly to Abby and Chelsea instead. And she decides to trade it, trade this information in exchange for 25% ownership in the Grand Phoenix Hotel, shares which have to be given to her for free. And she got herself a shiny new title, something like head of security. <laughs> it was some type of security position, which I guess fits her considering she hacked the surveillance footage and she solved the crime uh, while also preventing the cops from solving the crime. But whatever, I mean, her knowledge of security could come in handy at the hotel, I'm sure. <laughs> I almost wish her title was something a little more glamorous, but all right, all right, head of security is fine. And it was a big old pile of crow for Abby and Chelsea to have to eat. I mean, now they're forced into this three-way partnership with Phyllis, who they don't trust. Abby owns 50% of the, co the company still, if I understand correctly. But Chelsea owns 25% and Phyllis owns 25%. The flaw in Phyllis's plan here is that she should have asked for 26% ownership. That way she could edge Chelsea out just by 1% and really stick it to her. I mean, after all, it was kind of definitely Chelsea who was the one that came up with the idea to stab Phyllis in the back and take her job. Of course, Kyle thought that Theo was responsible for the drugging at first. I mean, prior to that even going down, Kyle made sure to get real close up on Theo and warn him that he better not try anything at this event. Don't even think about it. And then Theo made sure to get real close in on Kyle's ear and say, not everything is about you. Is that something that a jealous ex would say or what? <laughs> 
<laughs> Not everything is about you. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, but that's pretty gay. <laughs> and the majority of YNR chatters agree. Last week I asked you guys if you think that Theo is secretly in love with Kyle, and 66% of you said yes, he is acting like a jealous ex. What was it? 34% of you said no, he's just uh, plain jealous and petty. Oh, well, you know, I don't know if Theo is gay. But that outfit that he wore to the Grand Phoenix premiere party sure was. <laughs> Theo in his jacket and his scarf. Oh! <laughs> that, he was, that was the gayest outfit at the party. I, I tell you what, I should have worn my scarf this week. <laughs> you know, I like to have a, an outfit theme. Theo would have had his scarf this week, and then I could have come on to YNR Chat with my scarf this week, but I wore it last week. It, it would have been much more timely this week. Theo and I could have been twinsies. <laughs> but do you see how in sync I am with YNR? I am just a week ahead of them is the thing. I see, I thought scarf, and then Theo thought scarf. Yeah. <laughs> If you just listened to the podcast and you didn't see me last week, then you don't get that joke. Um, <laughs> sometimes a girl's got to make a fashion statement. You know, I think that uh, our younger cast members are just embracing the fluidity of their sexuality. Theo is definitely giving me gay vibes when it comes to Kyle, but he did also seem... To particularly enjoy watching Tessa and Mariah make out while they were high at the party. Not gonna lie, Summer looked like she was liking it a little bit too. <laughs> you know, I guess that drug just gets you all loose, apparently. Uh, <laughs> loose. But then, I mean, of course, we had, on Friday, Theo luring Tessa into this meeting saying it's about her career, and this whole meeting is going on behind Mariah's back, and then Theo is trying to hit on her in the meeting. Hit on Tessa. Tessa actually said, uh, you know I'm gay, right? And Theo said, I don't believe in labels. Without missing a beat, Theo don't believe in labels, y'all. <laughs> I bet. I bet you don't, Theo. If labels get in the way of you doing what you want to do, then I bet you don't believe in them. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is so much fun. This is the fun storyline for me. <laughs> It's a little new, a little fresh, and I feel guilty for saying it, but I love how slick and sleazy Theo is. I just love Theo. I just do. hes I mean, I don't love him like I want to be friends with him or I'd let this guy hang out at my house. No, but I love to watch him on TV. I think he's been really great and really entertaining. I think the actor is 
great. Give this guy a contract. Keep him around a long time. His little deliveries, his little funniness. I mean, I, I can't imagine. This This guy's making it for me. Every day that Theo is on my screen, I'm there. And I don't like that he made Tessa feel uncomfortable, of course. But she also seemed oddly fascinated by him. I mean, he's fascinating. And it's probably also fascinating to watch him work. And that's what he was doing. He was working. And that's he always seems to be working. And I can appreciate that. I mean, I can't see Tessa letting him work her, though. No. And not because of her sexuality, because, of course, we've seen Tessa be with men before. She was with Noah originally, and I don't know exactly what her background is, how many men, how many women she's been with, whatever. That's, I mean, that's sort of beside the point to what's going on with Tessa and Theo. I think that Tessa would not get involved with Theo because she seems to see through him and what he's doing in a way, maybe in a con-to-con sort of way, that Mariah doesn't see. Which is strange, because Mariah was also a con. But Mariah just thinks that Theo is harmless. Mariah thinks that she can handle Theo. Mariah thinks that she's going to have to handle a lot of Theos in her career, so she just better start with Theo number one. She sees Theo as a challenge, and she just wants to conquer that challenge. Well, Tessa immediately told Mariah uh, that one of her employees was hitting on her girlfriend, making her uncomfortable, and obviously is trying to undermine her in her position at Power Communications. And Mariah kind of blew it off. She, she didn't really seem to take it as seriously as Tessa did. Mariah seemed like she was way more worried about planning a birthday party for Elena. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Mariah had just had a conversation with Devon where Devon gave her permission to just get rid of Theo if she wanted to. So, I mean, what more reason does Mariah really need to just boot this guy out of her life now? What is she keeping him around for? If Mariah has Devon's full support in her professional life, then the only damage that Theo could possibly do to Mariah is in her personal life. And it kind of seems like he's already set that plan into motion, whatever it may be. You cannot tell me that Theo would not jump on board with the idea to have a threesome with Summer and Kyle. (laughs) I think that that would be a dream come true for Theo. (laughs) But it would really not be a dream come true for Lola, who saw her husband getting some big old kisses from Summer while drugged and drunk at the party. Oh, Lola. 
She realized, of course, that it was an extenuating circumstance, but she also smartly realizes that Summer's not over Kyle. It came from somewhere. The reason why it happened is because Summer is still secretly in love with Kyle. She'd be with him right now if she could. But Kyle addressed it with Lola, said that it was nothing. He really hopes that they can all just move on and pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah, I bet you do hope that, Kyle, don't you? <laughs> you do hope that doesn't become a problem for you and Lola, don't you? Summer was absolutely humiliated. I felt bad for her. She woke up the next day, realized what happened at the party, what she had done. She remembered kissing Theo and then turn around, turning around and kissing Kyle, a married man. Um, but Summer did not immediately realize the extent of the damage. She did not realize that not only did she kiss Kyle, but Zoe caught it on video and Zoe blasted it out all over the interwebs. <laughs> and as if that weren't enough, Lola saw the whole thing live and in person. Oh, I felt really bad for Summer. I did. She's been trying very hard to have a healthy, productive, working relationship with Kyle slash maybe friendship in the future. It's clear that Summer's trying to just get her friend back and keep her job and she didn't want to do anything to damage that. I was glad that Kyle was cool about it and he expressed that Lola was fine and he was trying to reassure Summer that everything was okay. Didn't want her to be self-conscious about it. The fact that her little indiscretion there is all over every gossip site from GC Buzz to the National Inquisitor. At the Grand Phoenix uh, opening party, Phyllis overhears Devon talking about chance possibly being the person who is contesting Catherine's will. Her ears perked up, but that was that. No further clues from Phyllis, just an ear perking up. And <laughs> I'm guessing that next week is going to be the week that all will be revealed. I think Devon originally said three weeks ago that the lawyer was scheduled to make her visit the week of September 16th. So, so so tune in, audience, the week of September 16th. Find out if Victor Newman is really dead. Find out who's contesting Catherine's will. Be sure to come on back for a new installment of The Young and the Restless. <laughs> well, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I am. I want to know. I want to know, is it Hillary Doppelganger? Is it Avery? Those are my two main guesses. I don't think it's Chance. <laughs> but it could be. I mean, I think so Tuesday we should know maybe. But in the meantime, I am afraid that Devon's life is about to blow up. In the preview that we saw for next week, 
Devon was telling Jill how good his life is, that he's in such a good place, which means that this whole lawsuit or this Amanda Sinclair is going to turn his life upside down. Oh, well, at least he has Elena. Except, uh... Nate's going to totally end up wanting Elena. In fact, before the Grand Phoenix opening party, Nate was commenting about how pretty Devon's girlfriend is. Uh, it was weird. It was a weird and mildly inappropriate comment. He goes, yeah, oh, Elena, you're just going to be the prettiest girl at the party. Oh, I mean, Abby, you're going to be the second, you're going to be the second prettiest girl in the party because Abby, because Abby's my girlfriend right now, because it's Abby that's my girlfriend, though, not you. <laughs> oh, is Abby going to break up with Nate when she finds out that he was in on faking Victor's death? I mean, that would make me mad at a guy. My father was alive and you didn't tell me. She might break up with him, even if temporarily. And he's going to find himself being drawn to Elena. I mean, they have so much in common. They both work at the hospital. And they both carpool. Aw, Devon and Elena looked exceptionally gorgeous at the Grand Phoenix party. Like, they had coordinated their attire to both be in all silver. They looked great. Oh, Elena was super sparkly and beautiful. Maybe she should have just worn her hospital duds, though, since she was forced into the position of being the responsible one when the party went south and Nate couldn't be the responsible one. I'm so glad she was there, though, to take care of Devon. He broke out into sweats. He was grabbing his chest. He looked awful. I felt so bad and concerned for him. I wanted to reach through my screen and offer him a wet towel for his brow. <laughs> I would have taken care of Devon if, I, if somebody would just let me. <laughs> but uh, Elena took care of it all. Uh, she was my surrogate. She brought him home. She um, gave him a little blanket and, and, and gave him plenty of fluids. And in the middle of all of her get welling, she blurted out that she, she loves him. I love you. I love you. And she tried to backpedal on it for just a split second, but Devon stopped her. And he said, No, I love you too. <laughs> They are so cute. And that's all I have to say about that. Lola has been pushing Ray to start dating. Yes, yes. I think Ray should start dating. Me. <laughs> Devon and Ray are my two main men right now. I mean, who wouldn't want to date Ray? Did you see him at the Grand Phoenix opening party? What woman or anyone in their right mind could resist a tall, dark, handsome man wearing a turtleneck 
and a suit jacket, black turtleneck, black suit jacket. Uh, <laughs> sometimes Billy busts out that turtleneck and suit jacket look. And it takes the right guy because it's bold. You have to be committed to turtleneck and suit jacket if you want to pull it off. <laughs> and I was ready to give Ray my phone number. I would have. If I was there, <laughs> Lola could be my sister-in-law. That's fine. I just don't want Ray to get back together with Sharon. I'm sorry, but after Sharon slept with Adam, I just don't trust her with Ray's heart. <laughs> they do make a really good-looking couple, though. I mean, I have to admit, Ray's all-dark attire, turtleneck and suit jacket, Right next to Sharon's lemon yellow gown. High contrast. They looked like a gorgeous couple. And holy moly, that lemon yellow gown. I was just dying. I've never seen a gown like that in that bright, bold yellow color. And next, when it's on top of her tan, tan skin. Wow. I mean, that is quite a way to send uh, Sharon off on her vacation on a wow note. She made a wow entrance to that party. Oh, it was probably a hard dress to wear, especially when she had a, a lot of motion she had to be doing. She was hilarious at that party. Sharon Case has some comedic chops. She was really funny the way she was laid out on the couch, just being totally loose and upside down and saying, hi. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, she was. Hi. And everybody else was just looking at her like she'd had too much to drink. But no, she was drunk and she was double drugged and she was heartbroken. Sharon was sucking down those sangrias <laughs> all night watching women hitting on Ray. Uh, I mean, yeah, all the sane women are looking at Ray single and going, yeah, yes, please. Sharon was standing there realizing that anyone would be lucky to have the man that she threw away. And as the night wore on Sharon and Ray started talking and at first they were trying to be casual but as the drugs started taking effect Sharon was pouring her heart out to Ray through slurred words saying that she regrets their breakup and it was never Adam Ray it was always you <laughs> it was always you Ray I did feel bad for her, though, because she was being so self-aware. I honestly had a moment of wanting to cry a little bit when she said, I can't be happy without ruining it. It's true. It's, it's true. She sabotaged the best relationship that she has had in years with the best guy on the show. <laughs> and... Ray never stopped loving her. He still loves her. He didn't leave her because he doesn't love her. He left her because he realized that she wasn't fully committed to him. 
And then as Sharon was just slurring and crying and snotting all over Ray's black turtleneck and jacket attire, he was just holding her like a baby, practically rocking her back and forth and singing a lullaby. <laughs> and the look on his face said, this is my baby, I want her. And then she passed out. She passed out in his arms, and he was all over it. He just snapped into action, and he realized that everyone at the party had been drugged, that Sharon's life was put in danger, and he, from there on out, devoted all of his resources to finding the slime ball who could do this to his Sharon. He was calling the hospital the very next morning to check on her. He was following up with her personally. The next day, you know, to get her statement. <laughs> Just needed a statement, ma'am. Yeah, but also totally to talk to her and find out if all of the things that she was saying were true. I mean, they both were drugged and they were both being extra affectionate. Sharon didn't seem to quite have the same reaction to Adam when she saw him before she was ready to leave town. So, I don't know, maybe Molly makes your true feelings come to light. <sighs> maybe Sharon does need this vacation. She does need to make some decisions about her life and what she wants. Sharon has more on her mind than I, we, even realized. Our little faith is old enough to go off to boarding school! Oh! When is my daughter going to be old enough <laughs> to go to boarding school? I anxiously await the day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? To kick them out, go to boarding school. You should do it when they reach the difficult age, really. They're all difficult ages, though. But you know what this means, don't you? Faith's going off to boarding school, and it means, number one, no more having to skirt around the fact that Faith is there, but clearly not there. But more importantly, number two, what this means is, the next time we see Faith... She is going to be returning to Genoa City as a teen with a tood, probably having a big old chip on her shoulder when it comes to her mom who traipsed an army of men through their household growing up. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, if anybody is eligible to be a screwed up soap kid, it's Faith Newman. And I am really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to our future bad girl, future villain, Faith Newman. Our Who Said It quote from last week was, Never underestimate the power of a good nap. Well, I just hope he's not taking the big nap, the permanent nap. It was Victor Newman! who said that he was talking to Nick while Christian was falling asleep on the couch. And he said, eh, never underestimate the power of a good death. I mean, nap, a good fake death. I mean, nap. <laughs> never underestimate the power of faking your own death. Just saying. <laughs> 
Well, congratulations, Lynn, Keisha, Henry, Nancy, Jillian, Martha, Sandra, Tina Cole, and Jamie. You guys all guessed that it was Victor. Here is a new quote for the week. I feel like the inside of a dirty garbage can. <laughs> I don't know why, but that seemed really particularly descriptive. <laughs> I feel like the inside of a dirty garbage can. Who said it? <laughs> if you think you know, go to whyrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your grand shout out on next week's grand YNR chat. It's funny, I think that our opening credits for the show have gotten so much attention since someone t told me about the whole Mariah being in every intro thing. It's like, once you see it, you can never unsee it. Every single episode, Mariah, right there at the end. And in, in the vein of things that once you hear or see and can never unhear or see, uh, Henry always gets the who said it quote right. Now you'll never not be able to hear that Henry got the quote right. <laughs> You'll notice every week, Henry gets the quote right. So I think, I, I, uh, listen up next week, but Henry, now you better get it right because now there's extra pressure on you. <laughs> oh, they're going to think I planted you or something. No, he's just good. He just gets the quotes. Like, he gets them right away too. <laughs> he's just skilled. Must have a photographic memory or something. Okay, let's get to your comments. Superplex swaying in on Sharon, saying, Sharon, you won't have fun in Sedona. Hooking up with Jack is just another example of been there, done that. Adam is so much hotter than Jack or Ray. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, so that preview. I guess I wasn't really, I was only joking when I said that maybe Jack and Sharon would meet up on their journeys. I really didn't expect to see that preview for Monday where they're sitting in a hotel lounge somewhere talking to one another. Really didn't actually realize that that was going to happen. Uh, but Superplex, do you really think that Sharon and Jack are going to hook up? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, they've been married before. And I think that their marriage, I mean, it was kind of underwhelming. The whole time Jack and Sharon were married, uh, Sharon was still in love with Nick and Jack was still in love with Phyllis. I think Sharon and Jack only hooked up because Phyllis and Nick hooked up. It was sort of a, eh, well, it's just, it was a, it was a, just a, sort of a second prize kind of marriage, which is not a good marriage. But I tell you, I don't think they're going to hook up. I really don't. If YNR went to the trouble of having Ray and Sharon do that little slurry speech, and then Sharon kind of seeming to maybe have some closure on that relationship with Adam, he said, you want me to come with you? Or no, 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 I'm wrong. She said, you're not suggesting that you should come with me on my trip, are you? And he said, no, no, never. So it almost seems like YNR's closing that off, probably going to Adam and Chelsea again. Um, and it seemed like they were hinting Sharon and Ray again. So if they turn around and have her hook up with Jack, that's really, like, they need to make up their minds. I don't want to see that happen. And I don't think they will. I really kind of think maybe we're just going to get friendship from two characters who are wanderers. Maybe just giving them a chance to have a good conversation. 
I'm guessing. I just think, yeah, probably Sherrod is going to go on this big, long soul-searching journey and come to the conclusion that what she wants is Ray. Now, what Jack ends up wanting, I don't know. I don't know why they're having him go on another soul-searching journey if he's not going to come up with something good. Ooh, wait till Jack gets back into town and finds out that Victor's dead. Yay, that's going to be good. Oh, Jack's going to cry, too. <laughs> Especially because they just had that conversation last week where they were kicking it at society, having just chat time. Oh, Jack and Adam are going to be probably both in tears next week. It is going to be good. I got to give them that. Fake death has its, has its perks. It has its pluses. Well... Let's shift into uh, Lola here. Keisha says, why didn't Lola partake in the libations at the Grand Phoenix opening? Kyle told Summer that he drank, but not the sangria. But Lola didn't drink anything at all. Why? Could she be pregnant? Did I miss something? Did Lola explain why she wasn't drinking that night? Hmm. Well, I'm I'm thinking, Keisha, this is good because I, I did wonder that too. I wonder if it's just because they needed Lola to be sober in order to see what was going on with Kyle and Summer. Or, as you say, is it possible that she's already pregnant? I had theorized that Kyle and Theo's real secret love story, secret love past, would end up coming out right after Lola finds out that she's pregnant. Where's my girls? But, I mean, who knows at this point. Speaking of that, though, uh, our poll question from last week, I asked you if Theo's secretly in love with Kyle. Anna says no. Anna says, I vote no in the poll. If Theo had a secret attraction to Kyle, they would not have given the viewers any clue to who, in my opinion. He's acting petty and jealous, but I've not noticed any longing glances in Kyle's direction that would lead me to believe that he's more than just a jealous friend. You're probably right. I mean, I, I agree that YNR hasn't clued it. I mean, they haven't done they they haven't done anything to make me think that. It's just me. I think it's just the way the actor carries himself and just the odd obsession with Kyle. It just doesn't have a lot of stuffing to it. And also, I'm just waiting for another twist on the secret because the Zoe thing fizzled. And especially now that her story trajectory was just to become a little short-term villain. I mean, I don't know. Is Lola going to find out about that? Is it really a big deal? There's just I just keep wanting more, more of a secret. It all stems from the fact that the Zoe secret was a dud. I gotta come up with something. That must it must be going on between them? I'm creating what it is is I'm not getting the stories that I want from YNR, so I'm creating them in my own head. But quite a few other people thought that uh, that Theo is in love with Kyle. Astra says. I voted yes. <laughs> when y'all first brought it up, I didn't completely dismiss the idea, but I wasn't sure that it was the case at the time. Now that the Zoe thing was a flop, there has to be something deeper. What I think happened is a drunk Theo kissed a drunk Kyle in the heat of a moment, and Kyle rejected him. Theo played it off, and they agreed to never speak of it. But Theo's feelings only got stronger, and to cover it up, he portrays himself as a player. It would also explain why Theo got involved with Summer. He probably knew the reason was partying so hard in the first place. Oh, pro he probably knew the reason Kyle was partying so hard in the first place was because Summer dumped him. Theo thinks that dating Summer is a way to get Kyle's attention. 
but it doesn't really work because he's into Lola now. So now Theo has to threaten Kyle's relationship with Lola to get Kyle's attention. Theo started showing his true colors when he overheard Kyle rejecting Theo as a friend. So that's possibly two rejections that sent Theo over the edge. Like Allie said, the writers probably don't have the gumption to do that, but they seem to be writing it in that way. Ooh, good theory. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're just so much better at this than they are. It's juicy. It's juicy, juicy. Keisha says... Is Theo in love with Kyle? Um, is a fish wet? Yes. I think now that Zoe has the drugs uh, to make you, in my best Austin Powers voice, honey baby, that Theo also knows how to score the drug too. I mean, think about it. The times we've seen Summer drunk, it led to sex with Theo. I'm thinking that he has a connection. So yeah, back in the day, Kyle and Theo had a little too much to drink and things led to one another. To, things led to another. I don't think YNR will have them having sex, but I do think they want to, I, but I do think they went to second base. Or maybe one drunk night, Theo kissed Kyle, and Kyle, being the guy that he is, brushed it off and told him uh, not to worry about it. I know. Something, something, something. Well, Leslie says, um, well, weighing in on this topic, first, some way in our trivia that I came across about Michael Mueller, Kyle, when searching if he was gay or not. He was born on February 29th, 1992, so he's a leap year baby and grew up watching YNR. Lachlan Buchanan, who played Kyle prior to Kyle, is gay in real life. And when he was on, a lot of fans speculated and thought that they should make the make Kyle gay. And many thought that that might be the story when Michael Mueller was cast. Shortly after he was cast, I made a comment that his wardrobe was a bit more flamboyant than the rest of the male cast, but this may have been their way of differentiating him from the older men in suits. I don't notice it as much lately, but he has worn a lot of pastels, colorful vests, and hankies in the suit pocket. I think he wore a plaid suit, maybe a baby blue one another time. <laughs> I wonder if they go if if they go that route with Theo. If they will have hooked up or it's just Theo lusting. Maybe they hooked up with Zoe together and that's when Theo became attracted to him. Oh, well, I do remember there being some buzz about uh, the character of Kyle, Kyle being cast um, gay when Michael Mueller took the role. And, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't connect it to his wardrobe or anything. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of guys who dress uh, flamboyantly and are straight. But he was wearing, I mean, on that note, he was certainly wearing a plum-colored <laughs> suit to the Grand Phoenix party. I mean, Theo and Kyle looked like they're going to... Would have been a perfectly good-looking couple there. Um, but, yes, I do I do remember the speculation that the character of Kyle could be gay. So it is it's certainly possible YNR is writing it into the backstory. Shelly says, while Kyle was watching the Molly chaos unfold at the party, he made a statement to Theo about this happening again. Maybe I'm wrong, but a party hosted by Kyle and Theo back in New York where one underage drinker had a bit too much alcohol and was somewhat responsibly dropped off at the hospital does not even come close to an entire room being unknowingly drugged. Could this really have happened before? Is this the real secret coming to light? If so, then of course, something naughty happened between Kyle and Theo while under the influence, right? I noticed that line too, Shelly. 
oh no, this is happening again. I wonder, I, I, I thought that, okay, well, did they have some kind of experience with Molly or what was it? Because it isn't the same uh, as what happened with Zoe. So was there another incident that we're supposed to know about or were they just part, maybe they were just feeling like, uh-oh, this is a party gone bad? Not sure. Diana says Theo reiterated that he continues to give Kyle a hard time because he feels as though he's a phony. It never made sense that Kyle was this bad guy that Theo felt the need to expose. It makes a lot more sense now with this new revelation that Kyle and Theo were pl- were plying Zoe with drinks and enjoying watching her get smashed. Glad YNR added that factor. Maybe there's more to the story to come. Yes, I liked having that line from Zoe too. It did it did give a little bit more something there. Uh, the way that she felt she was being used for their entertainment. That's super gross. But I, I do think that was probably being used to fuel Zoe's motive uh, for the mass drugging. Oh, good, good comment from Daisy. Daisy says, I think it would be interesting if we discover that Theo is actually Kyle's brother. Jack's son, who maybe he didn't know about. And that could be another reason he'd want to hurt Kyle. He's jealous. Although, maybe Theo is Tucker's son and is the one trying to get money from Catherine's estate through Devon. I doubt he'd have a claim, but I wouldn't put him past it to dry. Ooh, I like the idea. I like both of those. Theo being Jack's son. Ooh, and, or Theo being the secret person behind the uh, the will. You know, Wyander just doesn't do casting the way they did. I, I have no idea. If someone new is coming onto the scene that uh, that is just new, then I haven't heard anything about who it could be behind this Will thing. It's possible that they're going to do a switcheroo and have it a character, have it be a character who's already on the show. Well, next week I think is going to be the week to reveal that, especially since we saw Jill in the previews. Oh, Diana says... Nate sure emphasized how attractive he thought Elena looked at the pre-party when he was complimenting her. I'm surprised Abby wasn't jealous. I'm not sure if anyone else felt the same way, but when Nate was complimenting Elena, it was almost teetering on disrespectful to Abby and Devon. It was as if they weren't even there. (laughs) I could be wrong. I should watch it again. But it was how he said it. We're seeing a lot of foreshadowing of a Nate and Elena romance beginning to grow. No doubt about it. Whole lot of foreshadowing there. Sandra says, Michelle Stafford as Phyllis is so entertaining. I just had a grin on my face as she unfolded and maneuvered her plan. The actress brings a subtle comic relief to the show that no one else does. Phyllis and Adam are becoming friends, much to his chagrin it seems, which again is fun to watch. I hope the writers keep Phyllis and Adam's relationship strictly platonic. They give each other a safe place to confess, conspire, and concoct their no-good plans. Ooh, Sandra, yes. I know. I really, obviously, I love Phyllis. I've said it a million different times. I think she's great. It's a totally different portrayal than Gina Tognoni, which is amazing in its own right. But Michelle Stafford, I love her. I love this friendship that has developed with Adam. And this is an excellent point that it's it's really kind of, it allows two of our devilish characters to have a space to confess and to cohort, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's good. And to, to talk to us, the audience, about what they're up to and what they're feeling because they don't have any other friends in town. 
Astra says she completely agrees uh, about Phyllis. Um, Astra says, I am also glad that they brought back the fact that Phyllis is a hacker and was a hacker way before Kevin came onto the show. It seems like with all the different writing regimes, they'd forgotten about Phyllis's roots. Oh, yes, Astra. We were talking about um, Phyllis switching those paternity test results um, last week. Phyllis has been hacking computers since she was born on the show absolutely and it is something that fell away from her character she was the resident hacker before kevin became the resident hacker so i mean it's kind of great that she's beautiful and also tech savvy i like it i just wish though that there's a lot of hacking though i do kind of wish they would pull back everything getting hacked (laughs) a little bit it is a little predictable a little bit much it's not special if you can just hack everything hacking should be a special occasion (laughs) like weddings (laughs) uh ellen says hunter king has grown into a very believable actress i'm not sure i would have predicted that she gets better and better the more they give her to do on screen and she's still so young kudos Yes, I love Hunter King. I love watching Summer's reactions to all of the drama. She she is very good. She must have gotten some good experience when she was on Life in Pieces, which I think has been canceled. So I think she maybe she's full-time devoted to YNR now. She is great. Great, great. And also, again, I was listening to the 2018 uh, YNR chat recap, and I was reminded of, she just came back onto the show in 2018, and I was reminded of how good she was right when she came back on. It took me right back there. I like her a lot. Oh, let's talk about Chelsea. Sandra says, it bugs me how all of the accolades about the Grand Phoenix are trickling down, albeit slightly, to Chelsea. I see Chelsea is a criminal and a grifter. She left town after committing embezzlement, assaulting Sharon, almost kidnapping Christian, and breaking Nick's heart. I don't know. Maybe I'm in a bad mood, but I don't like Chelsea, and I haven't forgotten her past. Sandra goes on to say, I have no problem redeeming any character. How in any way has Chelsea been rehabilitated herself or changed? All she did was run away. Even Nick questioned Chelsea while he was staying while she was staying with him before Connor came back from camp if she would run again. It just seems like a deliberate gap has been left open in Chelsea's storyline and eventually she's going to slip right through it and go off screen again. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think YNR has done a very good job of redeeming Chelsea. And I don't think they did a very good job of showing her being involved in any way at the Grand Phoenix Hotel. She just slipped right in and took Phyllis's spot. I don't think they've done a lot to really... I mean, you know what they did? All they really did was show Chelsea making good decisions about money. You know, she gave Anita some money. She chose not to... You know, the, what the Calvin's money she took, and it was all altruistic. I mean, that I think that's their version of redeeming Chelsea... But, yeah, she hasn't gotten a lot of focus. It's almost like they wanted to forget about how Chelsea left town, which, by the way, was also at the beginning of 2018. She completely changed her. She was a good girl. Then she changed all of her stripes. She became a very bad girl. They sent her off screen. And they're bringing her back as the person she was before she flipped out and left town. And the viewers are just supposed to go, okay, it's cool, whatever, she's Chelsea. (laughs) We forget about how she laughed. It's cool. 
Yeah, I know. I feel you on that. And also, I don't really feel, I keep, ex- like you said, I keep expecting her to go away again. I don't know why. It just somehow doesn't feel totally permanent. I don't know why. Oh, well, let's talk about Billy. Leslie says, how does Billy not know where he is? He somewhat grew up on the Chancellor Estate, and even if not, Jill gave it to him at one time. You'd think he'd know. <laughs> you'd think he'd been there at some point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Billy owned the Chancellor Estate, or he lived there for a while, and he didn't know where he was in the boathouse. Oh, who knows? He didn't remember what he did to Adam, so I'm guessing his... Chalk that up to brain scramble. <laughs> Daisy says, I'm glad that Chloe finally told Victoria... Billy could have just snapped due to grief and Adam's return. But Billy had forgiven Adam. He was still grieving the loss of the child. But Billy forgave Adam so that he could move forward for his own sake. So I wonder if Billy was drugged, which caused him to suffer some type of amnesia where his dreams became a reality that he acted upon. And now he's coming back from the drug, which is causing him to become terribly ill. I really hope Jill shows up, calls an ambulance though. Billy needs medical attention now. And talking to Billy is not medical attention. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't thought about Jill maybe getting involved with what's going on with Billy. That's really good. I hope that happens. Um, And also, it's interesting that you're keeping the theory alive that he could still have been drugged. I felt as soon as he came out of it and had those two different personality types, I thought, "Mm, mm, I guess he's got multiple personality now. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm kind of sick of seeing the boathouse. I would like to see Billy out of the boathouse. It's weird to hold him captive. Really weird. And I hope that Victoria gets involved and gets him some help that he needs. Oh, well, let's talk about the biggest storyline of all. (laughs) Superplex says, next week, Victor dies. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't that be big news. Take Victor to the brink of death. That would be sweet justice for all the evil he's unleashed on this planet. (laughs) Oh, it's so unbelievable. Uh, Gary says sympathy would go to Victor, but come to think of it, it would be sweet justice. The thing is, Victor has mellowed so much recently when he, with him becoming so reasonable, thoughtful, and reflective, how quickly we put aside and forget the outrage of Victor Newman. Um, The Canada premiere of Victor actually being dead for good would be YNR's greatest shock of all. As far as I know, there's no reporting of Eric Braden leaving YNR in in the press. Uh, And also, we'd have to deal with Allie should Victor suddenly expire. Hell hath no fury. (laughs) Well, see, that's how you know that it's not true. I'm not shook. I don't believe for one second that Victor is dead. If I believed that Victor was dead, actually, and Eric Braden was leaving the show, you're right. I would be out of my mind. (laughs) There is just no way. It's all a fake out. I betcha. And and the reason is, and Gary, you're the one who kind of got my brain cued into this. You this comment that you made made me think, mm, yeah, I see what they're doing. Gary says, Adam's new drug storyline, and keep in mind this was early in the week. Adam's new drug storyline, bringing Victor to the brink of death, it isn't gonna win them any popularity contests at Winner. Now, 
Gary says, I am considering a phenomenon that I've seen before. Soon, we may randomly hear how Y&R has soared to an all-time high in the ratings with its Adam poisoning Victor story, with fans tuning in like magpies to make sure their fan favorite, Eric Braden, survives to come out on top. Yep! That's it. And it's not even just ratings. I guarantee you that Google searches of Eric Braden and is Victor Newman really dead are spiking right now. This is what they're doing. They're trying to generate interest in the show right now. And again, it is a little bit cheap. It's a little bit of a cheap prick. You can't do it all the time. It's got some good stuff in it, but it's really transparent to me what they're doing. And in part because of you bringing that up, they are just trying to get people back into the show by whipping up some concern for fan favorite. And as you say, it's not doing Adam any favors. I mean, the the characters uh, or the fans probably want to like Adam, but if at the end of the day the character of Adam doesn't succeed, they're not out anything. So, I mean, making this a, a way to whip up some concern for Victor is gold. Yes, the ratings are going to be high next week especially. And then Josh is going to go, pat, pat, pat. Were, I had the greatest ratings on the show, and I don't know how long. Aren't I great? Aren't I a great writer? <laughs> like, this is great for getting some short-term fans and drawing people into the show. I just hope that he has some stuff on his, uh, in the future that he's going to do that's going to also connect with some of us longtime old grumpy fans. <laughs> this is not the best it's been. I mean, okay, YNR may have some rating spike, but this is not the best the show has been. Let's be real. Daisy says, I wonder if the conversation that Victor and Nikki had, where Victor said he allowed himself to hope and now it's come to this. Was Victor telling Nikki that he had hoped Adam would have changed? And that conversation stemmed from Victor discovering that Adam tried to hurt him by altering his medication. Now Victor, with the help of Nate and Nikki, is showing Adam what it feels like to get exactly what he wants. And in this case, Adam has gotten rid of Victor, or so Adam thinks. Yes, I rewatched that scene. Uh, right before the family arrived. And um, Victor was saying to, to Nikki, I, I allowed, he allowed himself to hope, and now it's come to this. You're totally right. He was referencing Adam. And that is hopeful for thinking that Nikki is in on the plan, which was my first instinct. I thought, yeah, Nikki's in on this. Because of that conversation, because I just got the context on a rewatch that maybe he was saying, I wish that I wouldn't have had to do this to my son, but it's come to this, and, and this is what I should do. So I, hopefully that means that Nikki's in on it, and it is also a little clue, as you say, that Victor is giving Adam what he wants. Oh, Ambrini has been in the hospital for a week. So she is behind and in YNR withdraw. Apparently Canada has free health care, but no internet. <laughs> uh, anyway, Ambrini says uh, that she's been watching some Mark Grossman movies uh, while recovering. 
Oh, how great. Well, first of all, gosh, I hope you get well soon. I know you said uh, that you're already out of the hospital, but I'm so interested to hear how your Mark Grossman movie marathon went. I would never think to look up some of the other stuff that he's done. I, I mean, I, oh, let us know what, what the good stuff was, what the bad stuff was. Give us a, a synopsis of your uh, Mark Grossman movie marathon. I would love to hear that. Oh, Tina Cole says, Allie, please do your best and worst dress for the Grand Phoenix night. I loved how Lola looked with the curls and the simple black dress. I also liked Chelsea and Sharon and Abby's neon dresses when they were standing next to each other. My worst dress, though, has to be Mariah. I'm sorry. <laughs> While I'm not a fan of the white, I think that the deep, rich colors like a wine or a burgundy would look fabulous on her. Oh, well, I, you know, I thought Lola did look really nice in that understated black dress. But Chelsea was not wearing neon. I'm going to say that um, Chelsea's going to have to get my worst dressed uh, award. <laughs> and not because she looked bad in any way. She didn't. It was just that in contrast to everyone else who looked stunning and amazing, Chelsea looked a little plain to me. This was her big night too. And she actually was just wearing what looked like a basic black or dark green, like strappy party dress. It was kind of boring. I mean, Lola looked good. I liked the cut of her dress. It was just black, but she wasn't the star of the show. Chelsea should have been boom, and she was boring. She should have been boom, not boring. <laughs> but uh, you also mentioned Mariah, and I have to say, I didn't love the dress, not because of the color, but just because it seemed kind of, I don't know, mature. I think they dress Mariah way too old. Uh, I mean, she needed something more fun and flirty and youthful. Uh, I also <laughs> thought that Tessa's dress was weird. Like, she had these puffy shoulders, puffy flouncy shoulders, but it also had a strap. I don't, I don't know, I don't like shoulder cutouts. I've said that before. I don't like anything where it comes up to the neck, cuts out the shoulder, and then continues on with a sleeve. I don't, I don't know. There's just something about that I don't, I don't like. Uh, and it was, that's sort of what the dress was in a way, a shoulder cutout. But it also suited her weird personality because it was so puffy and flouncy. Um, let, let's see. I, I really have to give you my best dressed couple. It was Devon and Elena. I mean, did they look sexy in silver or what? I just thought they stole the show. I mean, not that individually they would have stole the show, but when they walked in together, I was like, wow, these two look great. Um, also, uh, you know, I thought Phyllis looked nice in her one shoulder. One shoulder's fine. <laughs> I need one or none shoulders showing, <laughs> but not two. Never two. Phyllis had one long arm sleeve, one long sleeve, and one sleeve less. That didn't bother me. I thought the color was nice next to her red hair, the turquoise. Uh, but honestly, Abby in that bright fuchsia gown, standing next to Sharon in her yellow lemon gown. I mean, those two standing next to each other were a moment. I mean, that was like a picture perfect moment. They both looked gorgeous. I loved Abby's dress. I thought Abby is always well styled. She also had on this breasty uh, turquoise dress with like lace over the breasts and the neck. And she was looking very sexy on uh, Friday, Thursday, I think. I always love Abby's fashion. Can't help it. Again, I must want her role. I just want to slip right in there. <laughs> Slip right into Abby's role, hook up with Ray and Devon. <laughs> That's my plan, my secret plan. 
Uh, but we, we already talked about this a, a little bit, but I thought Kyle and Lola did make a good-looking couple. Kyle and his plum suit. Would he have looked like a better couple with Theo, though? That's the question. Theo's in his scarf and Kyle in his plum suit. <laughs> they could have been the best dressed couple. Uh, so I give you my, my worst dress is Chelsea. I feel bad saying that because it wasn't bad, but it was the worst. <laughs> and my best dressed couple is Devon and Elena. But you know my best dress. I already told you. My best dress for the night was Ray. <laughs> Just looking sexy, sexy in black. Yes, Ray is both my best dressed and my best undressed. I think I keep finding a way to make these YNR chats longer and longer. But I mean, if the headline is Victor Newman is dead, you know I'm going to talk. <laughs> They're going to draw some new viewers into the show, and maybe I'll find some new YNR chatters who are, who are looking to me to give the, uh, the reality of the situation that Victor ain't dead. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I could be wrong. I suppose I could be eating my words. How bad would I feel if he was actually dead, and then in a, a couple days from now, Eric Braden releases his press release and he is actually off the show i will cry <laughs> there'll be a special one in our chat for that i assure you <laughs> look if i'm not worried about him you shouldn't be worried about him that's all i'm saying <laughs> i am here to help you through this troublesome time unless you're superplex who would like to see victor dead <laughs> You can really enjoy next week's Superplex because it's going to be all, you know, ding dong. He's dead. <laughs> Are we going to get funeral? We're, we're going to. Betcha there's going to be funeral. Be all kinds of reactions. That'll be good. That'll make some good TV. And they know it. <laughs> mm. How's Phyllis going to know? Or how's Phyllis going to react when she, you know, finds out? The Victor's dead because she's in on the plan. She knows what Adam did. Ooh, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I think September and October are going to be good one way or the other. That's good. We need to go off on this year with a bang so that I maybe have something good to talk about if said 2019 way in our recap is in the, in the pipeline. <laughs> winky, 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 winky. <sighs> Okay, well, I think that does it for me. So, if you want to get your opinions out, go to yrchat.com. I'm sure that you have some theories that I haven't even thought of. So go there, uh, leave me some comments, and we'll come back next week and do it all over again. Deal? Okay, deal. I love you guys. Have a good week. Never fear. He's alive. Bye.